0: What happens when the private sector invests in social services? That's the question behind a new documentary, The Invisible Heart, making its world premiere January 22nd on TV Ontario. The film takes a deep dive into social impact bonds, a relatively recent investment product that relies on private capital to solve society's complex challenges, such as health care, recidivism, and homelessness. But the question is, is it working? Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Alisa Berenbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. I hope you've had a chance to check out my recently published book, also titled In the Business of Change, where I profile social entrepreneurs around the world and their lessons learned. You can check it out at your local bookstore, at Amazon, or on our change website. On today's episode, we speak with producer and director of The Invisible Heart, Nadine Pequenez. In our fascinating discussion, she explains why she became interested in social impact bonds where it's being used today and how, and we then discussed the many challenges with SIBS and why those challenges led her to ultimately question the efficacy of the model and its application. Thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with me. Um, I would love to hear much more about your film. It's an incredibly important and uh, fascinating topic for many people. Uh, whether they're working in the nonprofit sector or social enterprise sector, it's it's definitely on their radar. And um, so I think your film couldn't come but a, at a more important time.
1: I'm really glad to be here, Alisa. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we even get started, I thought maybe I would just throw a definition question at you. Um, if you can explain, for those people who don't have a really strong understanding and sense of what a social impact bond is. Could you give them the uh, the Coles notes version? <laughs>
1: sure, yeah.
0: No, I've done it a few times now. I'm sure you have. Yeah.
1: So if you don't know what a social impact bond is, you're not alone. Uh, they're relatively new. Well, within the last 10 years, they started in the United Kingdom and have spread to 27 countries now. But uh, in very small numbers, there's just over 130 of them now. Basically, it's private financing for social programs. So a private investor will give money to a nonprofit to provide a social program, whether it be for homeless or foster children or uh, to prevent recidivism, prison recidivism. And then if the program is successful in that it achieves certain results, the government repays the investor the cost of the program plus A return on their investment. And that return is tied to the success of the program. So, how many of those outcome measurements they actually hit.
0: Okay, that's great. Very innovative approach. Uh, We can talk more about some of the success stories that you've seen and some of the challenges. But uh, even before we get to that, um, curious, what what inspired you to even delve into this for for your film?
1: Sure, um, I've been making documentaries for uh, twenty years now, mm. and a lot of the issues that I've covered in the film are the kinds of issues that social impact bonds try to address. So, addiction and homelessness and youth involved with the criminal justice system, uh, foster care. And oftentimes what I was seeing when I was making the films is that the people who were relying on these services or needed assistance at certain points in their lives, they just they weren't getting what they needed um, at the time that they needed it. So too little, too late was what I was seeing. And it, yeah. it really impacted people's lives in a very negative way and made it difficult for them to turn things around decades later after they had suffered so much trauma mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea that SIBS would focus interventions um, on early um, preventative programs that would try to deal with the root causes of some of these social programs—that's what really attracted me to mm-hmm. the idea. And uh, yeah. and and I also know that having done these stories, that uh, you know, social workers on the front lines will tell you very clearly that there is both a social and a financial Value in helping people uh, overcome some of these problems, and I think SIBS was—I thought SIBS was a way of demonstrating that. Well, I, I still think they demonstrate that, but I, I did come across other problems with them when I was making the documentary that I would say make me less of a fan um, than when I started.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to get into that. Is—is is, what is it? An hour and a half? How long is the film?
1: It's 80 minutes.
0: 80 minutes. Okay. Okay. So I know we could probably talk a lot longer about it, but let's just focus on a couple of the, the stories that, that really resonated with you. The
1: film covers two social impact bonds quite closely and makes mention of a third. So, Okay. the two main ones that are featured in the film is one for homeless, chronically homeless people in Toronto. It was developed by Mainstay Housing when the Ontario government put out a bid back in 2014 uh, looking to develop its first social impact bond. And so we followed the development of that bond, which is really the design stage,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: when they figure out what exactly the program will deliver, what the outcome targets will be, what the rate of return will be. So we watched Mainstay going through... The process of working with organizations like Deloitte um, and a program evaluation company called Malatest mm-hmm. trying to figure out all of these things. Um, and then we also looked at the program as it operates currently by mainstay, focusing on one of their frontline workers, Math, who was uh, helping someone, John, who'd been on the streets for 15 years and had just come into one of their apartment buildings. So. We tried to look at the issue from both um, sides of, uh, of the issue in terms of the people who are actually experiencing these kinds of problems and, and the investors and, and government who are trying to deliver the program.
0: And so give us a bit of uh, a sense of, of what types of challenges that you, you came across and, and um, yeah, the, the, the basic lessons and takeaways that you, you can sort of um, share with us.
1: Yeah. Well, what the film set out to do is to look at some of the promises of social impact bonds. So one of those promises was innovation, that by bringing private investment to the delivery of social services, you would shift risk from governments onto private investors. And therefore, it would drive innovation within the sector, both in terms of the design of the program, the delivery. And then the other promise is that it would bring a a business rigor, sort of a results-oriented approach to delivery of social services, so that success would be determined by outcomes, not by the delivery of the service, what people call inputs, but rather actual outcomes. How have you positively impacted someone's life? Mm -hmm. So those are two of the things that we looked um, to see if SIBs were actually achieving, and when people talk about our SIBs a success, I think you really have to define what you mean by success.
0: Good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you look at innovation, what I found in making the film is that most of the SIBs um, that have been tried to date around the world are not—they're um, not backing innovative programs. Most of the programs that they're uh, choosing to invest in. Are programs that have been tested and researched, studied, mostly by publicly funded um, studies mm. around the world. So for example, Mainstay, their entire business case was based on uh, a study that the Canadian government did. It's a groundbreaking study called the At-Home sois Study. Mm-hmm. It was a multi-city study, so five um, cities across Canada. They followed 2,000 uh, homeless people over the course of two years as they tried to get them into permanent tenancy And what that study determined was that housing first approach so getting someone into stable housing and giving them access to community uh, support programs ends homelessness mm-hmm. and so the idea that social impact bonds are going to bring private investment to fund innovative programs I didn't see that happening. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, not in the case of the Mainstay program or in the case of uh, the preschool program that we looked at in Chicago. So in that case it was Goldman Sachs, uh the Pritzker Family Foundation and Northern Trust mm-hmm. that put up $17 million to send 2600 uh preschoolers to school over the course of 3 years because in the United States, uh, preschool is not accessible right. to every child. And in Chicago, there's about 50% of the population that's not um, able to have access to preschool. And so that private funding is actually funding uh, a program, the Child Parent Centers, which have been studied since the early 1980s. So that's actually a multi-generational study. Um, with clear evidence of the value of early childhood education. So the idea that SIBs are funding innovative programs, um, I didn't see that in the Mm -hmm. limited number of SIBs that I looked at or in the Brookings Institute uh, study that came out about SIBs when we were filming, the first one in 2015, and they've done more subsequently. Mm -hmm. Um, Their studies looked at all of the SIBs at the time, the 2015 study, there were 54 at that time and very few of them were um, testing innovative programs.
0: Was that something that you went into this documentary thinking you would find a lot more of and were you um, a bit surprised by that, by seeing that?
1: I, I did. I did think the programs would be more innovative because mm-hmm. if you look at the first program in Peterborough, mm-hmm. um, they were actually serving a population that had never had uh, a program targeting them. So mm. that particular program was for short-term uh, male offenders who were repeat offenders. So people who were going in and out of prison maybe four or five times a year uh, for, you know, minor offenses. Mm-hmm. And typically what was happening in the UK is that they would just be released and without any form of assistance, either in terms of, you know, alcohol or other sort of substance abuse um, programs or helping to find a job or a home or family issues if they were having domestic issues or problems with family services, like all of all of these things that could lead to them returning to prison, there was absolutely no assistance for that Mm. population. And so the Peterborough CIV in that way was new. Right. And they put together a program called One Service, wherein it was sort of a one-stop shopping, if you will, for people who were coming out of prison. And not only did they meet them as they were coming out of the prison, but the worker started developing a relationship with that prisoner while they were still inside. Yeah. And the same worker stayed with them throughout their uh, rehabilitation or reintegration into society. And these kinds of wraparound um, services and where there's intensive support is really what's needed in most of these kinds of problems or mm-hmm. when people are experiencing these issues in their lives. So, mm-hmm. After the, you know, hearing about the Peterborough one, cause what I did go and film there and I met with the people who ran those programs and some of the clients who had gone through the programming. And so I was expecting SIBs to be extending programs to populations who hadn't been helped in the past, right. not finding a way to finance programs. And, and the thing about it is, you know, th- these programs, and the, the profits are, that are then returned to investors for the success of the programs come out of taxpayer right. dollars. So it comes out of the public purse. And one of the reasons that the proponents of social impact bonds, certainly governments, are attracted to this is because they feel they don't have the money available to deliver these programs. Mm-hmm. So to put this extra strain on um, governments to pay profits for proven programs seems to me it doesn't seem like a prudent direction to go in
0: interesting i um i was doing some research of my own for uh, when I when I wrote my book um, on social entrepreneurs and I it just social impact bonds came up in in a couple of times it wasn't extensive but uh, came up a couple of times with some organizations that were using them and what I found interesting um, was that as much as people were uh, really hopeful and 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 it seemed like some a, a new tool that they were interested in and excited about. Um, those who i had interviewed who implemented them were actually taken aback and, and a bit uh, surprised by how few actually came out um after mm-hmm. all in the u.s they ha- would have expected by now that there would have been a double the amount at least of social impact bonds out there um well without, the u.s
1: you know, is yeah the u.s is running second to the uk right so there's more than 20 in the u.s right. now um right. And I think that has a lot to do with their strong reliance on philanthropy, mm. um, and their weaker social service, uh, system or yeah. social safety net, if you, if you want to use that term. But, um, I, I heard that as well when I was making the film. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Sir Ronald Cohen, who, who helped develop and has been a big proponent of social impact bonds, feels that government should be able to get these up and running in three months. Right. Uh, the case that we looked at in Ontario for the government was in the design phase, the development phase for four years mm. before they actually uh, signed a deal and were ready to begin the process of pitching to investors and trying to raise the financing. And in the end, the new government, the new Ontario government cancelled both of them. Mm. So they're not easy to design. No. Uh, largely because, you know, governments want to make sure that they're not overpaying for a service that, in fact, because the idea behind social impact bonds is that this profit is supposed to be paid out of government savings. So money that they don't spend on hospital visits or putting someone into prison and keeping them there or shelters, uh, foster care, all of these very expensive, um, interventions that come too late really Mm -hmm. uh the idea is to pay out of those savings but so government's trying to waive trying to uh discern whether they're actually realizing those savings Mm -hmm. because we're really trying to predict what didn't happen right so you have to prove (laughs) which is hard yeah yeah you have to prove that that program that you delivered actually um resulted in uh Stopping something from happening
0: mm-hmm.
1: and assuming it was going to happen, and there's all there's all sorts of ways that they try to do that. You know, with historical evidence, sometimes it's a control group, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes they're doing very little uh, evaluation at all. I mean, if you look if you look at the studies uh, that are done, and you can take the heart and stroke mm-hmm. sip that we were talking about earlier. So their payouts are based on two metrics. One is how many people they enroll in the program. So it's not how many people complete the program or even how many people, you know, reduce blood pressure or change something in their lifestyle. It's just how many people enroll. So if they enroll 7,000 people, whether they finish the program or not, that's a payout. The second payout is related to blood pressure. It's a six-month program, so they take the blood pressure at the beginning, at the end, but they don't have to reduce it. If they just maintain blood pressure, they will get a payout. And then there's a bonus if they reduce on average a 1,000 of the participants' blood pressure. So compare that to another study that's being undertaken, a publicly funded study in Europe, which is multinational, so it's occurring in Norway, France, Italy, I believe. Um there might be one or two other countries, but it's a it's a study that's very similar. It's it's a web based um lifestyle coaching program to reduce hypertension and also Alzheimer's are mm-hmm. looking to do diseases in that case. And their evaluation is much more rigorous in the sense that they're measuring blood pressure, cholesterol, and weight. And they are also taking account of changes in uh, healthy lifestyle habits. Mm-hmm. So, the idea that SIBS would be more result-oriented or outcome-focused isn't true if you look at the way these studies have been um, conducted
0: mm-hmm. and
1: evaluated. Um, Interesting. And that's that's just one example. So. Yeah. The, the need to return money to investors in order to build this market to attract the money that government's looking to bring into this to this market is uh, It really Tends in my experience what I saw it tends to lower uh, The aspirations of the program mm-hmm. because the targets have to be achievable and it also tends to lessen the rigor in which programs are evaluated, Mm -hmm. because investors don't want so many variables impacting uh, the return.
0: With all that being said... And we'll get to uh, the response to your movie in a second. I, I want to hear just some of the responses you've gotten so far. But I, I am curious about uh, what your what your hope is or what you anticipate with all that you know now and with some of the the, the challenges that we just talked about and we just sort of touched the surface of the challenges. Um, do you anticipate there being a greater uh, number of, of sibs in the future or do you see it uh, not moving forward?
1: It's hard to predict the future. It but, is, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I
1: would, I would say based on uh, the slow, um, the slow, the slow growth of this market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we said uh, there's 134 is the latest count in 27 countries. The that, more than, more than half of the SIBs that are out there are serving like less than 500 people. Mm-hmm. So it's just not having the impact that people had hoped it would. Mm -hmm. So I would think based on those results, it's not going to go much further. But who knows?
0: But who knows? It seems like, you know, the the challenges are are definitely um, sobering and uh, keeping us a little bit more realistic in, in, in what we anticipate might happen next.
1: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And I I mean, the other thing that I noticed in the film, and and it was remarked on by a few people that were interviewed in the film, is that sibs do tend to focus on preventative programs, Mm -hmm. but they're still not getting at the root causes of these problems, because the root cause tends to be associated with poverty and wealth inequality, And some of the points that were made by you're asking about the reaction of the film, Mm -hmm. we actually took the film across Canada uh, to eight different cities. And we had panel discussions afterward with engaged audiences and a lot of really interesting discussions, which are all on our website, actually, on the Invisible Heart website. But what was interesting that we heard in a lot of the cities is that people found Sibs to be exacerbating a problem, which is wealth inequality and poverty, by transferring more wealth to individuals who didn't need it and who were prospering off of programs that were meant to benefit um, people who are facing some of these very difficult, complex issues, rather than investing in companies that would provide... Uh, living wages or parental leave, uh, pension benefits, things that could really impact people's lives in a very concrete way. Mm-hmm. So they saw SIBs as increasing wealth inequality and making it more difficult for people to get out of poverty because these programs are short-term. They mm-hmm. don't solve what is the root cause of the problem. We heard that a lot from people as we went across the country.
0: You've definitely touched upon a nerve with this, with this film, of, definitely of interest um, and curiosity and maybe frustration. I hope so. <laughs> that was that was the
1: intent of <laughs> yeah, the film. Yeah. And I have to say I mean, you hear from me that I, I, I'm i not um, a supporter of mm-hmm. Uh but there are still many people who yeah. were engaged in this conversation and on the panels and even people who funded uh the outreach campaign that we did like the McConnell Foundation like mm-hmm. the Mars Center for Impact Investing mm-hmm. who are still very invested in mm-hmm. this model and see potential here so yeah. um you know the the discussion is ongoing yes. and uh and where it lands we'll see i mean with the government's new social finance fund it'll be very interesting to see whether or not social impact bonds are included
0: yeah. in
1: the in that strategy
0: so, yes, so that support continues, and, and we'll definitely see where that leads, but uh, definitely an interesting perspective that you've provided, so uh, so thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Very interesting conversation.
1: Thank you, Elisa. It was great talking to you.
0: Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and changemakers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum we mm-hmm.